Well, we thank you guys for being here. And we have an exciting time right now is we have a speaker, Pastor Poncho, will come up. He's somebody that Pastor Ray and I grew in ministry together. We've known him for 30 years. He's a wonderful man, a wonderful speaker. And he has such a beautiful family, a beautiful wife. So we definitely want to thank Pastor Poncho. And where is he at today? And oh, there you are, sir. He's an old brother, a beautiful man I travel with. Come on up, Pastor Poncho. Give us the blessings with the message today. Thank you, man. I love you, man. I love you, and I'm straight, okay? I love you, man. Wonderful. Good morning to all of you. May I applaud you for taking time, the energy, prioritizing this event. We're living in some dark times, do you think? Yes. We're living in uncertain times. Paul the Apostle uh, was echoing something that Isaiah said to the nation of Israel. In Isaiah 40, verse 21, Isaiah says to the nation of Israel, Have you not known? Meaning, you should know. Have you not heard? Meaning, you should have heard. Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, and his understanding is unsearchable? Do you not know? And so Paul takes that verse, I believe with all my heart, as he's writing to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, there are 10 times when he refers to this phrase, do you not know, do you not know, do you not know? Paul the Apostle speaking to Christians. So I'm going to assume safely this morning before we pray that I'm speaking to Christians. But you see, I don't want to leave you on the outside looking in. Little Anthony, the Imperials. I don't want to be on the outside. So if you're here today, let me be straight up with you, okay? Whether you're young or you're old, if you're not a Christian, you're tripping right now. You're saying to yourself, I'm not even a Christian. What in the world am I doing here with all these weird people? And I'm here because I was invited by someone but I'm trying to understand it, and I'm, I'm just being polite. Uh, I'll listen to this bald-headed guy, but I'm not there. And you see, by not being a Christian, the Bible says, by not being a Christian, you're a natural man. And Paul describes a natural man. A natural man is someone who is void of the Holy Spirit. A natural man is someone who does not have the consciousness of God. It is someone who is not enlightened. They live in darkness, not literally darkness like night and day. Spiritually, darkness is the ignorance of a great God and a Savior. And we're meandering in life, just trying to live life without the knowledge of God, without the safety of God, without the direction of God, without a GPS from God, without directions, living every single day for no reason. 
And you try to understand the word of God, but it makes no sense to you because the natural man does not understand the word of God. When, when people will tell me, you come to Jesus, man, and you'll understand all this, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even understand the, the, the book of, of Philippo. I don't understand Malachi. I don't understand none of that stuff. And you're telling me that I'm going to learn the Bible? I'm just a homeboy, man. I don't know how to read very well. And yet, lo and behold, I became a Christian. And I went from a natural man to a spiritual man. Not anything that I've done. See, the spirit of the living God, the agent of change, the agent of transformation came upon my life. And he did a number like he has a number on you. He changed my worldview. He forgave me of my sin. He gave me an ability to start new. I went to a rock concert like this. And everybody was weird, in my opinion. I thought they've, they've been taking more hits than I have. That was my assessment of the hippie movement. I was 24 years old. Just out of the Marine Corps two years earlier. And I just thought, no, nah, this dirty civilians, hippies, they don't understand what's happening. But they seem happy, man. They seem happy. So at the end of the service, it was an invitation to receive the Lord. I was a natural man. Things didn't make sense to me. But then an opportunity was given. At the end of the service, that's why I feel for you. Because I waited at the end of the service. Homeboy should have done it at the beginning of the service. So I could have, I could have got on with it. Because the whole 45, 60 minutes, it was kind of like weird, man. Like, what am I doing here? I could be smoking joints. I could be hitting the pipe. I could be doing something else. This is stupid. And then I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything changed. I went from a natural man to a spiritual man. A spiritual man is the one who has the spirit of God in him and upon him. And the Spirit of God, the agent of change, changes our mind, our heart, our worldview, forgives you of all your sin. And guess what? Guilt and shame is taken away from you. And all of a sudden, Coke is offered to me. Coke, come on, Coke, dude, for free. Now I'm thinking, where were you at before I became a Christian? <laughs> Everywhere I went, weed is free, lines are free, everything's free. And all of a sudden, trip, trip, all of a sudden, I look at the tile, the mirror tile. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. <laughs> I look at the mirror tile, and I see the $100 the Ben Benjamin Franklin rolled up. Well, not a Washington, that's stupid. <laughs> not a U.S. Ulysses S. Grant, that's dumb. You use a Ben Franklin. You use a C note. The notes don't know any, any other denomination. And there it is. Out of nowhere, man. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I have the most powerful words for an addict like me. I said, no. And then I was polite. No, thank you. And then I went even further. I don't need that. I'm thinking, where did that come from? Where did that come from? That's when I bow my head 
And I realized, Lord, you're real, man. I've never had the ability to say no. Oh, my God. I had no ability. Now, the big tests were going to come when weed would come because I was a weed whacker to the bone. I mean, I made Cheech and Chong look like Mickey Mouse. When the weed came, once again, hey, man, Acapulco gold, dude. Acapulco gold. Now, if you don't know what that is, God bless you. Don't worry about it. And I said, how much, man? He says, it's free. Here we go again. It's free. And here we go again. No, thank you. What? No, thank you. I don't need that. And that's to begin my journey by accepting Jesus Christ. I said to myself, I have nothing to lose, everything to gain. If what you're saying is right, if you can tell me and Prove to me that my conscience is clear through Jesus Christ's blood, whatever that meant. He says the blood of Jesus can cleanse your conscience and it can make you a new man. I don't know what that meant. I don't even know what the blood was. I don't even know what consecration was. I don't even know what justification was. I don't even know what reconciliation. There are so many words I didn't understand. Is that in the English language? All I knew is that just the peace of God will come over you and remove that guilt and you'll be born again. And so I said, well... Then he says, you have to get up. I said, no, I'm not getting up. Then you have to come forward. No way. And guess what? I found myself going forward. And I received the Lord. And God transformed me. All this is an introduction for some of you here. Maybe there's no one, man. Maybe there's no one. But like my brother-in-law says. My brother-in-law, he's mentally challenged. He's 50 nine years old forgive me 63 and mentally challenged my brother-in-law which i love very much he asked this phrase i don't think so and like my brother-in-law i echo his sentiments i don't think so i don't think here all of us are christians some of you are here because you're searching and god brought you here some of you are here because you're backsliding. You thought, Lord, I, I don't even deserve to be here. I'm all messed up. I've gone through the dark. I've been so low, Lord. I mean, perhaps this is something that's going to take place and God will honor. If I'm honoring you as a human being, remember how God sees your heart. So before I start, I want to give an invitation. Maybe there's one. Maybe there's none. I want to be content. I don't want you to be as a non-Christian, as a natural man sitting there for a whole hour just tripping out. I want you to have the Holy Spirit come upon you to save you, to redeem you. So that all of a sudden, God will give you the same frequency. We can all be in the same frequency. You go, I got it. I got it. Because now we're all connected spiritually. So if you would like to receive the Lord, you're not a Christian. None of us here is going to look at you with embarrassment. We will rejoice with you because you're among people. They are redeemed. We're all sinners saved by grace. If you're here this morning and you would like to receive the Lord, man up. God loves a broken heart. Society does not. They want macho men. God wants broken men, pliable men, malleable men. They're able to be changed by God. If you're here today and you would like to receive the Lord, I'm not going to ask you to come up here because time is not on my side. But if you would like to receive the Lord right where you're at, you would like me to pray with you. Would you please stand to your feet?
quickly, whoever you are, quickly, whoever you are. God bless you. 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 What a joy. What a joy. What a joy. Remain standing. Anybody else, quickly. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you, mijo. Love you. You're thinking of doing this? Don't. You're thinking of doing this? Don't. You're thinking of doing this? You're thinking of doing this? You're thinking of doing this? Stop. The madness has to stop. It's Jesus Christ. This is not a program. This is a transformation of heart, mind, and soul. Today is that day. Anybody else, quickly, don't let pride fool you for the first time. Tell pride, not this time. Not this time. Today is the day of salvation. Anybody else? Anybody else? Quickly. For those of you that are standing, would you repeat the simple prayer after me out loud? And even if you don't pray out loud, God hears you. The reason I'm asking you to say out loud, because it blesses those people around you. Because we did the same thing. Amen? Amen. So would you repeat the simple prayer after me out loud? Would you please? Dear Jesus, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. But I repent today. I believe that you're the son of the living God. And I believe that you rose from the dead. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And make me a new person. With a new mind. With a new heart. And a clear conscience. Put my name in the book of life. Forever and ever. In Jesus name. Amen. You may have a seat. God bless you. God bless you. Afterwards, I'm getting that sound again, man. I'm not supposed to get over here. For those of you that receive the Lord afterwards, there's some weird people to your right. No, they're nice people, but they want to just want to give you some literature. Nah, they give you a free Bible so you can start your 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 walk with Christ. Welcome, welcome to to the brotherhood. Welcome to the fraternity. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, because you're a trip. You're a trip. And you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes, Lord, I don't understand how you work, but you do work. I don't understand how you can tolerate me, but you tolerate me. Father, I don't know a lot of things, but I do rely on what I do know. I do know that you love me. I do know that you care for me. And I do know that you're watching over me. May you bless each and every man in person. They're, they're here right now. And those who will be hearing by way of video or audio, whatever they may be. I bless their home, bless their lives. And I pray they will come to you personally as Lord and Savior. May you bless our time anointed. May the Holy Spirit have your way upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, there in verse 9 of chapter 6, you find that phrase, do you not know? That's the fifth time. There are ten times 
when Paul the Apostle tells the Christians at Corinth, do you not know? It will be the equivalent of telling you today here in Valencia County, or if you're from Texas, if you're coming from Texas, God bless you, all those Texas guys, man. God, all the way over there? Oh, man, what a blessing. Texas, all the way. Um, if I was to say, do you not know that you're living in the desert? And you would have said, duh, yeah. Well, most of us know that here is the desert. And so there are obvious questions. Do you not know? And so here in chapter 6, verse 9, is the fifth one. The first one you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? And then he goes on to elaborate. The second one, we find it in 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 2, the third one. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Because they were Christians suing each other. And then the next one, you find it in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom? Oh, forgive me. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 3. Do you not know that believers shall judge angels? And then fifthly, it's our current study, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And then the sixth one, 1 Corinthians 6, 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? The next one, 1 Corinthians 6, 16. Do you not know that he who is joined to a heartlet is one body with her? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? In 1 Corinthians 9, 13, number 9, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? And then the last one in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the price? So we're going to be dealing basically with three, number five, number six, and number seven. And it starts here in chapter six, uh, verse nine, by saying, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites or catamites, I'll explain what that means, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But I love verse 11. Notice the, the past tense. And such were some of you, past tense, amen? amen? Past tense. But here's what happened. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will determine not to be brought under the power of any of these liberties. Yeah, food for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body's not for sexual immorality, which is one word here, not two words in the Greek. It's pornea, where we get our word pornography or porno. 
He says, he says, God will destroy, forgive me, now the body is not for, for porneo, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God will raise up the Lord and will raise us up by his power. Do you not know, Christian, that your body are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute or a whore? See, I don't like the word harlot. Sounds too nice. <laughs> harlot, harlot. A whore. He says, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a floozy? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a floozy, a whore, is one body with her? For the two, he says, should become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Run away from porneo. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Now look at chapter 7 verse 23. Again he emphasized you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. You already past tense. You were already bought at a price. See a slave in the slave market, someone will come and pay your redemption. You're a slave. A master says, what's your name, brother? Sam. Sam. Okay, Sam, stand up for a second. Sam is a prisoner. He belongs to someone else. And his master is selling him. And I ask, Chamuco, how much is Sam? Chamuco. Chamuco's slang for Satan. Because it owns him. And Chamuco hasn't bound. He doesn't know he's bound. He's trying to live a life. He doesn't know that he's a marionette. He's a puppet. He's dominated and controlled by someone he has no control of. And he does deeds of darkness. You look at Romans chapter 6. What are the fruits of being a slave of sin and unrighteousness? Dishonor, death. Damnation, chaos, and confusion. That's a slave of sin. But Jesus Christ comes along and he pays a price for Sam. He takes him away from being a slave of Satan. And then Sam comes up to me and says, you're my master now. I am yours. And I tell Sam, you're free to go. What? I bought you. You're free to go. You can do whatever you want, Sam, but if you believe that I'm a good master, if you follow me and you become a slave of righteousness, the fruit of being a slave of peace and righteousness will bring hope and joy and love to your family. And you will do the things that are pleasing to God. And you no longer have to be a master domination. you be a master who loves you to divination. You're free. You're set to grow. And so, Sam, you've been redeemed. You've been washed. And justified by the blood of the Lamb. You're free. You may have a seat. Amen. As simple as that. As simple as that. Paul the Apostle says, Christian, you were bought at a price. 
So don't go back living as a slave of unrighteousness. And we're living at a time where many Christians are faltering. Faltering. If not, they're living an oscillated life. I learned that word. That's a beautiful English word. I said, oscillated life. I read this from an author. Many Christians today live an oscillated life. Come on, write English, dude. What does that mean? Well, it's like a sprinkler. It oscillates. You put a sprinkler on, and the sprinkler goes like this. At a certain place, it stops. It goes. And I'm thinking, wow, I love that word. Because there are a lot of oscillating Christians. Now, I'm using that word. I'm not trying to sound fancy. But it describes how many Christians are. Praise Jesus. Everything's cool. Praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Oh, God spoke to me. Oh, great, 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 great. Uh, you lost your job. What I <laughs> Here we go again. Oh. And then something happens that God manifests something in your life. And you go, yeah, praise the Lord. I got a new job. Praise God. Oh, I, I got new teeth also. Oh, praise God. Oh, everything's wonderful. Oh, somebody jacked up my car. I have no insurance. Oh. And all life, we're living in oscillated lives. It should not be. Especially when it comes to porneo. Now, I mean, I ain't going to lie to you, man. I was in the Marine Corps. I was in the Navy ship for eight months. That's all I have to say. <laughs> okay? Any Navy guys here? Raise your hand. Okay? Keep your hands up, Navy guys. If you don't know where Olangapo is at, keep your hands down. You don't know where Olangapo is at? Well, then keep them up. See, look at that. They're all sexual deviants. All of them. I just want to just, just call you out. This, it's called the Sodom and Gomorrah of the Pacific. Navy guys and, and Marine Corps guys, they will be at sea for six, seven months. They, they, hit, they hit the port of call and tell you what, uh, they don't go to Walmart. They don't go to the gym. They go places of vice and porneo to satisfy the lower nature appetite. Well, I like that too, huh? What's the lower nature appetite? Well, upper nature appetite is our lungs. We need air. We think. We eat. We have feelings. We have memories. Lower nature only thinks of one thing. And it's created by God. God has given us this physiological drive, which is healthy. Man has distorted it. Man has ruined it. But man has given you that cycle, physiological drive. It's the number fourth physiological drive. You see, you and I, as human beings, we have physiological needs. And I'll stump some of you because I say, okay, what do we need to survive? What's number, number one? Oxygen, right? What's the next one? Oh, you're doing great. Water. What's the next one? Food, protein. Okay, here's the one. Here's the one. What's the fourth one? Huh? 
Sleep? No. No. Sex comes fifth. You're right. But there's a fourth one. See, this is where I got stumped. A lot of us got stumped. We don't think. We just take it for granted. It's bowel relief and bladder relief. When you have a bowel relief sensation, you don't think about sex. When you have bladder release sensation, you don't think about nothing else. You're just doing the, the, the Russian book pretzel. You know, he's just, he, you don't think about it. Once that is relieved, and then the fifth one, sexual drive. And then sleep, and then others. So you see the mechanics of our physiological drive. If you're a single man, you're probably saying, oh, dude, I'm single. We're not going to talk about married life. Listen, learn before you get married. Don't think, some single guy saying, man, I'm just so, uh, I have this lower nature appetite. But you have other words, do you? You don't use those words. And you say, if I only get married, those sensations and desires flee away. Merry men, they get worse, don't they? Oh, you do agree with me. Okay, I'm going to go one step further. If you're thinking, man, when I reach 60, all those things are going to go. Old men cry. Because now there's no longer desire. You only go into the wish mode. Wow, yeah, if I was young. Why? That's it. It gets worse. Because now your, 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 your manhood, your masculinity is now in questions. But that's the way the human body works. This is why all these commercials that you see inundated, all these commercials about how to get certain pills so you can be in the mood. They know what attracts men. And Christians, men, today we're living in a, in a high-tech world. There was a time, if I say words like 8 millimeters, 16 millimeters, a lot of you my age will know what that is. If I was to say stag films, how many know what I'm talking about, stag films? See, they're over 40. Look at them. There was a time when we had to go undercover and stealth and maneuver trying to get the hookup and trying to get those 8 millimeters and 16 millimeters. And then you have to find out someone that worked at audiovisual in high school because no one knew how to put in. <laughs> there was a time we were all in a room and said, okay, I got the film, I got the projector. But you know how it goes, Holmes? No. Dude, we don't, have it. We don't know how to put it on. And we're frustrated. Nowadays, it comes through here. We need to be very careful. Married men, do you think just because I'm a pastor that I don't go through that? Listen, I am what they call in the military HVT. HVT stands for high value target. See, if the enemy takes me down, I take over 3,000 people with me, including my wife, my children, my extended family, 
my friends, my neighbors. They all go down. But he also wants to take you. He wants to disrupt you. When Jesus told Samuel, forgive me, not Samuel, Samuel's in heaven, Simon. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked you by name. And he wants to sift you as wheat. Okay? For a lot of us who don't know that much agriculture and harvesting, what does that mean? Well, he wants to sift you as wheat. Well, when you harvest wheat, you can't eat it. You have to do what first? You got to take the husk out. And you separate the wheat, which is edible, and the husk, which is not edible. And so the essence of that word of Jesus, he said that Satan wants to sift you. He wants to separate you. And he does that by bringing guilt and condemnation into your life. You see, when you, and I'm telling straight, I'll be honest with you, and because there are young kids here, I'm trying to minimize and use words that convey what I'm saying graphically without being rude and crude and crass. So be cautious with me. I'm not trying to use fancy words. We have small children, and I do not want to in any way pervert them. Like I got perverted at 11 years old. I don't know what age you were when you started getting perverted. But there was a time when you know it. It's locked in your memory the first time you said, oh, this is not right, but I like it. <laughs> you know the exact how old you were. The reason I know that I was 11 years old is because something happened when I was 11 years old. That's how I'm able to pinpoint. You see, a president of the United States was shot and killed, President Kennedy, 1963. That's how I can pinpoint to the exact time and dateline of when that happened to me. And so because there are children here, I will use words that, that they were not. But you see, hey, I lost my train of thought. That's what happens when you're over 60. What was I saying? I went, I went blank. High Valley Tiger, thank you. He is trying to bring guilt and shame. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Wow. See, don't do drugs. <laughs> this is what happens, man. I, I, I'm tripping, man. How can God use me? Honestly. And I'm saying that not to deride me. It's like, sometimes, you know, I can quote scripture and ask, where is it at? I don't know. It's there someplace, man. It's there someplace. And it takes me a while to come back to it. And I better stop it because I lose that again. Sam, thank you again. I don't want to stop. But when we view things that we know that are not right, and emotions, it's called titillating emotions, where all of a sudden you have blood pressure goes up. And all of a sudden, there's an encounter that you know as a Christian is not right, but your brain uh, gone dead and your heart no longer feels. It just wants to have that, that momentary fleeting gratification of seeing something. And when you see something and you see something, you see something, and you can say, oh, man, this is not right. But here's what happens. That emotion is locked up. And that emotion has to be released somewhere. 
And when that mechanic is released out of sex, when that mechanic is released, though you had a physiological, erotical pleasure that lasted five seconds, afterwards, don't say it. I'll say it for you. How do you feel? Polluted. Dishonorable. Ungodly. Phony. Weak. Dumb. Stupefied. Deflated. Defeated. Mental. Dishonor. And no one knows what's going on except you. And you walk like that with guilt and shame. You don't want to read no more. You don't want to read the word God's word. You feel hypocritical. And you hear a voice. Not an actual voice. If you do hear voices, then may God bless you, protect you. I'm serious. But there's a voice that condemns the hell out of you. Exploits your emotions of guilt and shame. Guilt and shame are also given to us by God. That guilt and shame should bring you to a place of surrender. Where you say, Lord Jesus, we have an out. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1.8. If we say we have no sin, we make God a, a liar. Therefore, we are told... Confess your sins to God. Why? For he's faithful and fair and just. And he's able not only to forgive you of all your sins, but then the next, the next part that finishes, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You see, you and I, if we're, if we're straight up, in this world, we're going to falter. But when we falter and we do not ask for redemption, if we don't ask for forgiveness, the process of sanctification to continue, we're going we're gonna to step back, live as second-class citizens. What does that mean? Well, you see, you're no longer a natural man. You're a Christian. But you're not really a full-on Christian because you feel like a second-class citizen. Why? Well, you know, I got guilt and shame. I'm not really walking. I'm not reading. I'm not in fellowship. I got this stupidity that I, I, I don't... But you hang around in the world and you realize that you're not as bad as the world. They're all jacked up. And you go, no, I'm not that bad. But then you go to church and you say, but I'm not that good either. And you live in a twilight zone of no man's land. And existing and existing and not living. Paul the apostle reminds them. He says to them, listen. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. So he describes essential sins. Fornicators. Secondly, idolaters. And adulterers. And homosexuals. And sodomites. So we have sensual sins. A fornicator is a male prostitute. A whoremonger. A, 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 someone who practices debauchery. Which means extreme indulgence in sensuality. Idolaters, those people that worship idols, an icon, a graven image, a molten image, a wooden image. It was forbidden by God to worship such meaningless work made by men. 
and God consider anyone who would worship idolatry, they would consider adulterers because they left God. God in the Old Testament is the husband of Israel. In the New Testament, Jesus is the groom and who is the bride? The church. So anytime we leave God and we begin to worship some kind of icon, some kind of marble, silver, copper, or anything of the likes, we have committed adultery with God, spiritual adultery. And then homosexuals, here is the word catamite. A boy kept by an older man, and they're called a pederast for sexual purposes. Today, I don't know if you follow the news, but a Green Beret captain in Afghanistan saw an Afghanistan officer sexually abusing a young little boy. And this captain went and beat the living crud out of that pervert. And guess what the army did? They took the Green Beret out and they kicked him out of the army. It's coming now. You'll see in the news. Mr. Ash Carter, the Secretary of Defense, now he's hearing this. But, but this has been going on. See, the American soldiers, they call these little boys, they call them chai boys. Chai stands for tea. And so they're called chai boys because these generals are perverted. These officers are perverted. Everyone practices this kind of catamite. Now, the Afghanistanis, they call them bakabas, B-A-C-H-A dash D-A-Z, B-A-Z, bakabas, which means boy play. And you'll say, but aren't they Muslims? The Quran speaks against what they're doing? Oh, no, they found a loophole. The Quran says you cannot have sexual relationship outside of marriage. But you can have a sexual relationship as long as there's no romance involved and you are dominating that individual. You see? To the American mind, whether you're a Christian or not, we know that that's bad. Imagine your 9, 10-year-old son being penetrated by a monster. What would you do? And the captain, Green Beret captain, when he heard the little boy, according to his testament, he didn't want to say anything, but now it's coming out. He said he heard that. He said, I have a son. And I went there and I grabbed that guy and I manhandled him. I beat him up. And I took the boy because the, the, the man had shot his mother in the head so he can keep the little boy for sexual pleasure. So perversion abounds. And yet Paul the Apostle speaking to the Corinthians, they were living in a perverted city way over the line. And then social sins, nor thieves, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers or extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Past tense. The tendency, if I was to ask you, what, what kind of vice did you have before you became a Christian? Like me, I was a drunkard. I, 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 was, a, I was a drug fiend. Transported, sold it, planted, I did everything. I wasn't trying making money. 
I was just trying to get high for free. That's all. For free. That's all I did. Plus, it was green. God made it. Created by God. It's green. That was my philosophy. But I was very wrong. I come to Jesus Christ. You know, I, I still say things like, you know, I, I have power. I hear people say to me, you know, uh, I don't dance. Oh, you don't dance? No, I'm a Christian. Wow. Yeah, I don't go to movies because I'm a Christian. Really? So, you would like to go see movies, right? Yeah, but I'm a Christian. You would like to go dance but because you're a Christian. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that's treachery. That's obligation. That's mechanical. See, I can do whatever I want to do. I choose not to. You see, that's liberty. I still like weed. I love the smell of weed. Being honest with you. But I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I have not smoked in 40 years. Okay, so don't go on, 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 online. Ooh, Pancho does weed. Don't do that. There's a big difference. You see, I love burritos. I love chorizo burritos. But guess what? I don't do them no more. Why? Well, you know. After 60 years old, you start doing the chubby checker at 2 o'clock in the morning. No way. Burritos, I know the effects. I go, I love chorizo, but chorizo, you're no good to me. I do that. See, I can do whatever I want to do. If I want some crystal meth, I know where to go right now. And here in Valencia, I don't have to go very far. <laughs> but I know it's not good for me. I can go get me some mezcal wild turkey. That was my choice of drink before. Mezcal and wild turkey, I can do that. Or Southern Comfort, that was my choice. See, I can go right now. I'm old enough. I'm 63. I'm 64. I can do what I want, but I know it doesn't bring no promotion to what I am and who I am. Therefore, I have liberty. You see, maybe you don't dance because not because you're a Christian. Maybe because you don't know how to dance. <laughs> when I go to a dance, I'm referring that I dance. I would dance with my mother before the, she went home to be with the Lord. I would dance with my wife. I have four daughters, adult daughters. I dance with my daughters. There's nothing, I find nothing wrong, but I'm not have these restrictions on me like many people. That's not living, that's religion. I came from a religion of obligation, of parameters, of do's and don'ts, of ceremonies and rites. I come from that religion. Why would I want to be a Christian and now I'm in a box too? I can't do that because I can't do that. That's, that's not living. Paul the apostle says, hey, I can do all things. But not all things edify. And then he makes this champion expression. And I will not be brought law, low by any of them. In other words, I'm not going to be mastered by any of them. See, that's choice. That is choice. I mean, I was in Venice Beach with my wife. We were walking. And I told my wife... Hey, hey, is that weed? <laughs> and she says, stupid, you know that's weed. <laughs> oh. Are you sure? <laughs> and she says, come on, man. 
I, I am not bound by it. I'm telling you right now, don't, don't, don't go on social media. Hey, Pancho does weed. I don't do weed. I have many appetites, but I have the ability to say no. By the power, by the love, by the agency, by the office of the Holy Spirit. Not because my wife says no. Come on. I don't do my wife. My wife? No. The conviction, the persuasion that if I do this, this is the result. I see the end of what it does. For 40 years, I've not been mastered by any of them. I'm not. Nor do I judge people that fall into that. I don't judge them because Satan does that. My job is not to condemn. Jesus said, I did not come, I did not come to the world to condemn. So if Jesus' message is not to condemn, why would I be a messenger of God and condemn people? That's not my job. My job is to restore you to the power of his word. To build you up, to cause you to recognize, to be alerted, to understand intellectually, spiritually, historically, socially, to the reality that apart from Jesus, we're nothing. You cannot be brought down to any of these things. Perversion abounds. Perversion that we see here, I mean, is that old pagan notion that religion consists of our grasping, forgive me, it is the old pagan notion that religion consists in our observance and not in heart and life. I wrote this, can I, the unclean, the immoral, the foul-mouthed, the foul-hearted, the backstabbing, the sickle, the vilest or vilest, sexually deviant, can I enter the kingdom of God on my own righteousness? And the answer is no. I can't do it. I'm gone. I'm sick. I am sexual deviant. I am perverted. I am vile. My heart is sick, wicked, violently, full of sadistic desires and weird thoughts. Mom, not holy. I cannot. My heart is wicked. And yet, throughout the Old Testament, beginning in Deuteronomy, God told the people of Israel, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. In other words, God was already seen in the distant future that something is going to happen. You see, the circumcision was the circumcision of the Gentalia area. And yet God says, I'm going to circumcise not the Gentalia area, the lower appetite, but I'm going to circumcise your heart. And once I do that supernaturally, because there's no such thing as circumcising your heart. You can go to the hospital right now. I had a circumcision, but I need a circumcision of the heart. They'll look at you weird like, what? No, we don't do that. So it's metaphorically that he's saying that God is going to do something with our hearts. And then in Psalm, David says this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have double, they have done abominable iniquity. There's none who does good. Jeremiah prophesies, I will give my people one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my laws and walk in my judgments and to do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them a new heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within them and cause them to walk my statues and they will keep my judgment to do them. 
Jeremiah, he says that he's, there's going to be a new covenant. Unlike the Mosaic covenant, Moses, Mosaic covenant. That was a conditional covenant. Condition meaning you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. That's basically what it means. It's conditional. It was based upon action, and God will do the reaction. Conditional. But Jeremiah said that in the future, there's going to be an internal ministry. And your sins will not only be forgiven, but forgotten. No one will have to teach you my laws and my statutes, for you will know them intimately. You will not need a priest anymore. He was speaking about an internal work of God inside. You see, the Jews, they will have their sins forgiven once a year. Last Wednesday was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And 10 days before is Rosh Hashanah. In 10 days, the Jewish nation to this day is the holiest day in all of Israel. And it's taken from Exodus and Deuteronomy. And we are told that for 10 days, they have to seek the Lord, do favors. They're trying to balance off. And in Yom Kippur is the holiest day when they hope their names are written in the book of life. This, if you notice my prayer, when the people came to the Lord, they accepted Jesus. They asked the Holy Spirit to come in. They believed that Jesus rose from the dead. And I made sure that their conscience are clear. And I said this, put my name in the book of life. I want them to know that on this day, when they came to Jesus Christ, their names were written in the book of life. Even if your name is Henry, God knows you as Hank. <laughs> Even if your name is William, he got you there as Billy. Oh, you may have a moniker, Pelon. <laughs> and he has Pelon there. He has your name written in the book of life. Here's Jesus, and I'll wrap it up. Here's Jesus on the Last Supper. He gives him the cup. And he says it. Drink, all of you. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you can. For this is my blood of the new covenant. What? The new covenant. He was institutionalizing it. He was ratifying it. You see, with every covenant, there's eight covenants in the Bible. The Edenic, the Adamic, the Noahic, and it goes on. And then you have something is ratified. Every covenant is ratified with something. The Noah covenant, when he made a covenant with Noah, human government began, God gave them a covenant, and it was ratified by a symbol. What was it? A rainbow. For Moses, the Mosaic covenant, it was ratified with the Shabbat, the Sabbath. It was Abraham. Aye. The Abraham covenant, it was ratified by what? Circumcision. Circumcision. Oh. I would have said, Lord, why can't we go with stars or rainbow or something? That's what I would have said. Nope, circumcision. Homeboy was over 90 years old, and he submitted to circumcision. Every covenant has to be ratified with something, a sign. What was the, what was the sign for Jesus' new covenant? My blood. 
He bought you with his blood. Paul the Apostle says it here morally, spiritually, legally. He says, and such were some of you. Verse 11. And such were some of you, past tense. But here's what happened. You were washed. Wash? That's metaphorically, right? You know and I know. If you don't know, we'll remind you. We were washed in what? In the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay? Now, this one, I know in this county, who you know this one, justified. What does that mean? The most beautiful words, I think, in the American language in the court of law. Not guilty. Lord have mercy. The most sweetest, sweetest words. When you go before the judge, and you come from the alley on this side, not this side, you come from this side, and you stand there before the judge. You know you're guilty. You know you did it. But there was those days before they had video everywhere. And they can't find enough evidence. He says, not guilty. <clears throat> Boom. And you go before the judge. Not guilty. Walk out. And I said, I beat the system. Right? But when you're guilty from sin and shame, you may beat the external system, but you can never beat the internal system. Only God does that by confession. But you were washed. You were justified. And here's the next one. And you were sanctified. That sounds like a fancy name. Ooh, sanctified. Comes from the word in Latin, sanctum, saint. But you know what it means? It's hagiazo, hagio. It's basically set apart. That's all it is. You see, if I invite you to a wedding, I hope you don't come dressed up the way you're dressed right now. <laughs> you, you have your, your, your Kmart special. You have your coat. You have a tie. Because, but you don't wear it all the time. You have it there sanctified in your closet. It's sanctified. It's set apart. In the same way, if you're, if you're like me, we have children. We had, when we had children, everything was made of plastic. Everything was made of plastic. It looked like they were in jail. Everything was made of plastic. Everything was Tupperware because they will drop and break it. However, if we had friends like you, we will put all that Tupperware away. And we will go to the sanctified dishes, the ones we set apart, the ones for our guests, and make them think we eat like that every single day. And then once we're done finishing, we wash the dishes, make sure we don't chip them because there are, there are special dishes. And then we put them away. You see, they're sanctified for a purpose. And that's all we are. We're sanctified. We don't run like the people out there run anymore. We don't think like they think anymore. We're different. And you don't have to carry a Bible. You don't have to carry a Bible. You don't have to have a big bumper sticker. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is just express the manifestations of the fruit of a slave of Jesus Christ. What are those? Love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control. I'm missing some other one. Long-suffering, 
and gentleness. That should be number one in this county here, gentleness. People are rude here. People are rude. Yesterday, a bunch of people were painted, just painted. I think, oh, there's a football game here yesterday. So I asked, hey, who won? Where are you from? I said, I just don't know. Who won? That's, well, we lost. Oh, well, maybe, maybe you deserve to lose. What kind of attitude is this? You're a, you're a pep dude. You're all painted up. You're all painted up for the pep squad. You're not peppy at all. You're all messed up. But that's just the response of many people. But I don't blame them. You see, before I start mad-dogging people like that, I have to remember, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was just like them. I was just like them. And then God begins to change my heart. When people start using profanity, I, I don't shy away. I say, OMG, oh. I don't do that. I get into it. I come from the Marine Corps, man. Every, every second word is a French fry. I still have it. I still have it. I can talk about your mama in two seconds. But I can't. Why? I have control. I have self-control. Smile. People can't handle smile. Of course, they're going to think three things. Either you are, you're in a mental health pass, weekend pass, or you just came from San Francisco. Or the other option, there's something in you that makes it different. And when God opens the doors, God would allow you to share not your testimony. You just have to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't even say you're a Christian because now I'm a Christian. What is a Christian? To many people. But when you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, whoa, that's different. And I pray that all of you will become Followers and lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not religionists. Ugh. Religious people. Ugh. But people that are spiritually lit. They shine in the darkness. Your behavior, your attitude, your comportment, your response. Even though your world may be falling apart, it doesn't mean you have to be falling apart. Someone said, a, part, a Bible that looks all tore up. It's usually who owns the Bible that is not tore up. It means you're reading it. You're applying it. And may the Lord bless you. You go home today. I'd like to leave you with 12 words for all you married people. I said it before. I don't grow tired. How many have never heard my 12 words? You never heard my 12 words? Oh, great. 12 words, okay? I'm no Dr. Seuss, Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil, Dr. Ruth. I'm just a homeboy that found where the cheese is at, and I'm telling a bunch of rats. That's all. I found the cheese, man. And I'm telling my fellow rats, here's where the cheese is at. If you want to preserve, conserve, protect your marriage, guarantee, guarantee. 12 words. Blow your mind. Next time you get into an argument with your wife, your fiance, and it's heated up, here's the first three words. Ready? I want you to say it out loud. At the count of three, uh, it's going to be, I'm sorry. One, two, three. I'm sorry. Wow, how beautiful that sound? I am sorry. The next three, 
I was wrong. I was wrong. Wow. Your wife's going to faint by now. Okay, the next three. Say it. It's my fault. Wow, the last three, I love you. Okay? The Bible says any fool can start a fight, but it takes a wise man to stop one. Next time you heat it up and she's saying angry, well, you did this and you've done that. You tell her, honey, it's my fault. I'm so sorry. I was wrong and I love you. She, first of all, she will pick up her job. She would breathe like three times. And she'd say, who are you? And you tell her, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. I don't know what's protocol. I don't know who to bring. I don't know the worship team comes out. I don't know if Ray comes up. I, I, I don't know if homeboy Dave comes up. Dave and Susan, I don't know what's up. But listen, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over you. Always look up. I always think of a lizard or a gecko. You seen a gecko? He has one eye here. He has one eye here. That's the life we should live. This life, Valencia Valley, Texas, wherever you're at, always look up. But always put that eye up. Look up for your redemptive drawing eye. Live here, but watch like this. God bless you, geckos. God bless you.